Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. We appreciate you tonight, church, for your giving and your liberality to the kingdom of God. Amen. God, he is a blesser. Can you say amen? Oh, my goodness. I say God is a blesser. Can you say amen? I do want to encourage you, um, if you're planning on going to the Prescott Conference, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. I need to get your name as soon as possible. I'm calling in names tomorrow because pretty much toward the end of the week, I talked to Sister Mitchell today. She's getting ready to send this in at the end of the week also, so we need your name. If you're planning on going to the Prescott Conference, if you're a couple and you're interested in that conference or you're a man and want to go to that conference, sign your name up on the back of that. Amen. We'll believe God. We'll have a great time also. Before you know it, church, I want to tell you something. We're going to be in our conference. Can you say amen? That's going to be a great and exciting time. It always is a great and a wonderful time. Wonderful to see, amen, those that will be coming in from all the states and also from overseas that will be coming in. So I encourage you right now, start opening and preparing your hearts because you got to open your houses too. Can you say amen? For those that are going to need homes. So remember, it's always a great blessing for them. We are the mother church, amen, all these churches that are out. And so we need to treat them. The best that we can, amen, with hospitality, open arms and tell them, hey, we want as many people who can come, come to the conference. We're going to have a great time in this conference in the Holy Ghost, amen. It's going to be on fruitfulness this year, amen, and we need God to move around the earth, amen, among fruitfulness. So let's believe the Lord for that. The book of First John tonight, book of First John tonight, book of First John tonight. I'm going to preach a sermon tonight called Be Not Deceived Tonight, First John tonight. I remember a while, a long time ago, I was going um, on an outreach in Texas. And I remember knocking on this door. I'll never forget this. I'm knocking on this door. And as I knock on this door, this young girl comes. She's very open to the gospel. As she's very open to the gospel, I'm witnessing to her. There isn't much opposition. She isn't trying to fight. She isn't trying to say, get out of here. She's listening to everything, you know, had a smile. Yeah, like everything was all right. And so I begin to pry and she says, yes. I'm saved. I know God. I'm right in my heart with God. Everything's right. And so slowly after, as I'm talking to her and she's saying these things right behind her, here comes somebody behind her. It's her boyfriend. And so, you know, of course, I got to key in on that. That's a great opportunity to seize the opportunity. Can you say amen? So from there, I begin to ask, I said, but are you married? Are y'all living together? She said, oh, we're living together. And I told her, I said, do you know that living together is wrong? And the Bible says fornication is a sin. I said, did you know that? And listen to what the young girl told me. She goes, well, I've been going to church and I've even told my pastor that I'm with this relationship with this man. And he told me there was absolutely nothing wrong with it whatsoever. As long as we were planning to get married. She goes, he even allowed me to get baptized and told me that's all I had to do. And I never forget that in my mind. I asked the young girl, I said, how would you feel? If on judgment day you stood before the living God and you're there, you're waiting in line and you said, I know I'm going to get in. 
I know I'm going to go right into that gate. God's going to take me in. And he stops you and tells you that you can't go in. I say, can you imagine what you would feel that day? She goes, I would feel upset. She goes, I would feel like all of my life I have been deceived and not told the truth. And I thought about that because I want to tell you something. We do live in an hour where deception is on the high. Can you say amen? People are being deceived and even people in the house of God have even deceived themselves. I want to tell you something tonight. If there is sin at work in your life tonight, thank God that you can come into a place where you can hear the clear cut gospel message. Can you say amen? And God can convict you by the spirit of the living God and by the Holy Ghost and draw you to an altar where you can say, God, I don't want to go to hell, God. I've got to get it right. Thank God for that. But we live in an hour that is full of deception, even among the people of God. And if you're here tonight, I want to tell you something. Don't let sin, listen to me, stay at work in your life. Just admit, say, you know what? I'm wrong. I've made some mistakes and God, I need you to get involved in my life. God, I know that this sin in just a matter of time is going to kill me because I want to tell you something. There are things that go on inside the hearts of men and women that will shock you and surprise you that you and I have no idea about. It is real tonight. Be not deceived. So I want to preach on this tonight because listen to me. You've heard it time and time again that the strength of the devil is the strength of his deception, his ability to deceive somebody. This word deceive is the word planeon. It actually means to go astray. It actually means to err or to seduce, wander off or to go out of the way. This word also comes from the word planier, which means to cause us to be to roam from safety or cause someone to roam from truth and go in another direction. This is that same word that is used in Revelation chapter 20, verse 3, where the Bible is talking about casting the devil into the bottomless pit. And he says these words so that he should deceive the nations no more. He is simply saying that Satan himself, he is the deceiver of people and he is able to cause many nations and many people to drift and begin to go and roam off far away from truth. And one day, eventually find themselves in a place they thought they would never be. The strength of hell tonight is in his deception. But listen to me. This tonight is not about a nation. This is tonight about ourselves not being deceived. Can you say amen? And believe believe me tonight, listen to me. The devil will cause people to roam and make them believe all kind of truth. Listen to me. And make them think in their heart, the way you're living is just fine. The way you're living is all right. And I want to tell you something. Do not be deceived tonight because there's going to come a day and there's going to come an hour when God's going to pull back the covers and show what is right and what is wrong. Can you say amen? Don't be deceived tonight. I want to tell you something. You're in a good place. A place, listen to me, you don't got to walk out deceived. You can know clearly what is truth. And what is lie? Listen to me. Example tonight, Eve. The Bible, you know the story. She's there. She's in the garden. The serpent goes up to her and tells her this. You know what? You shall not surely die. And what he's doing to her, he is luring her away from truth. He is actually trying to move her from what God has already spoken to her. And he's already spoken to Adam. Adam and Eve, you shall not eat of the tree. You should not touch this tree. And all of a sudden, here comes a serpent. 
Here comes the devil, begins to speak to her. And what he's trying to do to it, he's trying to get into her head. He's trying to get into her mind. For one story, he's trying to make her drift and go in another direction and pull her away from the very truth of what she knows is right and wrong and begin to make her miss the plan of God even for her own life. Hell will do this tonight, even to your life. I want to talk about be not deceived tonight. First John chapter one. Let's go there. The Bible says this. That which was the beginning, which we've heard, which have seen with our eyes, which you've looked upon in our hands of handle concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us, which we have seen and heard. We declare to you also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that our joy may be full. Verse five. This is the message we've heard from him to declare you that God is light and him who is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we have made a liar of him and his word is not in us. Let's pray tonight. God, we do come before you tonight by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. God, I do pray your hand tonight, your dominion, power, strength, and authority in this place. God, I pray tonight that you would help the saints of God in this place. Father God, you know where each, every individual is tonight in their walk with you, God. I pray, God, draw them by the Holy Ghost, God, to the cross, those who are in need tonight, Father. I pray, Father God, in an hour of deception, God, and an hour of deceit, Father God, let us see clarity, God, even, God, in our own lives tonight by the Holy Ghost, I pray. In all God's people said tonight, see, one thing you have to settle tonight, even before the preaching begins, is I would even say this tonight, is a lot of times when people come to church, and even when people come into the house of God, a lot of times they can naturally put up a shield and not allow God to do what it is he wants to do in an individual's life. Can you say amen? They've already made their mind up. Yes, I'm coming to church on a Wednesday night. Yes, I might come to church on a Sunday morning. Yes, I might come to church on a Sunday night, but I'm coming because I feel that I need to come. But little do you know that sin that is working inside your life, no one has been able to tell you, man, why don't you get that right? Why don't you cut that girl loose? Why don't you cut that boy loose? And nobody may even know these things that are going inside your life, and yet you'll still sit inside the house of God and say, hey, I have no sin. That's how people come. And that's how they start a lot of times in the house of God. And I want to say something to you tonight. When the text that I was reading to you, when he said, do not say that you don't have no sin. He was not talking about also to church folks who just come in and automatically just admit those that are right with God. Say, hey, I don't sin. He's not talking about that. He is talking about people that know in their heart there's something there, but they refuse to admit they got a problem. Listen to me. In the word of God, you can see that the problems of that day and that hour among the church is nothing more than a mere reflection of the problems that are experienced in the church today. See, what has happened here are here are these people in that church that is sin has been going on and there has been a continual sin in the lives of certain individuals, in the lives of certain people. 
But what has happened to them, they have had that ability to be able to come inside the church service after service, service after service and hide behind the shadows of raising their hands, hide behind the shadows of singing the song, hide behind the shadow of clapping their hands and even hide behind the shadow of even speaking in tongues. See, that's what they're doing. They have that ability, but yet they don't have no understanding that sin is at work in their life. You've got to understand what John is trying to do with these people here in this church. He is not trying to condemn them. He is not trying to speak down to them. He is simply telling them one thing. If there is sin at work in your life, it is time that you have got to deal with it. He's trying to make them realize that you can deceive yourself because the longer you always live in the now, you'll deceive yourself. Have you ever seen somebody at first when you tell them something's wrong, they'll tell you you're right. And then as a time goes by, weeks will go by, months will go by. That same problem, that same sin, that same situation will be at work in their life. And when you try to tell them something's there, they will tell you, hey, I'm all right because they're convinced now. I want to tell you something. You better be careful when you live in denial about the sin in your life. Or I'm talking about things I don't know about, pastor don't know about. Your wife don't know about things only that you know about tonight. Because I want to tell you something. Boy, there's going to be a scary day on Judgment Day. There's going to be more folks in the church going to hell than you think there is. Oh, Pastor Ortiz, how dare you say that? That is true. It was sad to me as I was hearing a gentleman speaking to me. I believe it was might have been Tom. He was telling me, he says, that one man made the statement, he says, things are not as they appear. And they were talking about the basketball stats. And before he was going to talk about the basketball stats, the guy on the radio said, let me give you an example. He said, one of the places where they call the Bible Belt, he said, down south, they call this place the Bible Belt. He said, just imagine things are not as they appear. He said, it's the highest rate of pornography in the Bible Belt. This is supposed to be a place where God's supposed to be, quote unquote, exalted. God's supposed to be, quote unquote, lifted up. They weren't talking about other secular places. They said right in the Bible belt has beat more other areas. They're at the top of pornography because people a lot of times have sin in their heart and sin in their life. And they just don't want to deal with the issue. They live in a constant denial thinking I'm going to be all right, thinking everything's going to be fine. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when God's going to pull the covers. You cannot live in denial because the longer you live in denial, I want to tell you something, the longer you will deceive yourself. Hell begins to deceive you, but there comes a place where you deceive your own self. The Bible says this, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness and lie and we do not know the truth. Verse eight says this, if we say we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth of God is not in us. Can you see tonight the apostle John? He's trying to make it clear to every individual. Don't live your life in a constant denial. It is time to face the facts and face the issues that are happening in your own life. Don't try to justify everything. This is why I do what I do. Because this is where I'm from. This is how I am. You don't understand. And I want to tell you something. Justify, justifying yourself will lead you right to hell in just a matter of time. Always living in denial. Always trying to justify 
everything you do. It's like people always say, they say, oh, the Irish got a bad attitude. They go, oh, that's because I'm Irish. You know, people always can justify things. Oh, I'm the way I am because that's what my race, the way my race is. That's the way I am because my family is. I want to tell you something. You better stop justifying these sins in your life and quit living in the now and deal with them. Because all they'll do is they'll escalate to a place where they'll totally get out of control. And when you try to reel it in and you try to get God's help, it seems too far gone. Don't live in the now tonight. See, listen to me. He's getting to the people. They're living in the loud. They're trying to go to churches to me, but they still walking in the light, coming in the presence of the almighty God, coming to church. But yet there's hidden and secret sins that are going on in their life. See, I don't know tonight how many men play with their mouths all day long on the porno, watching porno. I don't know that. It's amazing to me. People say, well, I don't have, you know, Internet. But you know, it's amazing to me. Even people that don't have Internet can always find a way to get a little peep show. It's amazing to me. And they'll tell you they don't have a problem. They'll go here. They'll go there. They'll visit. They'll do this. And they think they're getting away. I want to tell you something. You better deal with the issue in your life. And you know what's funny? Is when somebody tries to reach out and help you, you'll say it again. I'm all right. I'm all right. Quit living in the night. There's people here. You'll be surprised. Listen to me. If you're in sin, get it right tonight. That's why you're in church tonight. There's people you can leave out of this place like nothing and walk out and go drink a beer. Go drink some alcohol. And what's amazing, we'll look and we'll see them and we're like, wow, they in the light. And God says, but the problem is when they walk out of the light, they go right back into the dark. People, I've seen them, they'll come, raise their hands, walk out, go smoke a cigarette. Blows my mind. Come to church, act like they're saved, leave here. And call somebody on the telephone. Hey, so church is over. You want to get together? Oh, I'm serious tonight that people have that problem of living in a constant denial and saying, hey, there's nothing wrong really with my life. And I want to tell you something. It is time you've got to face the facts and you've got to face it. Hey, there is something wrong with my life. You ever try to tell somebody, man, stay away from that girl. Stay away from that guy. They go, oh, we're good. We're, nothing's happening. We're just talking. We're not even close by each other. It could be long distance. That's when you know you're in real trouble. It could be long distance. It could be short distance. And you try to tell them in their mind, says, ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing happening. I'm good. And what the problem is, they can't even see that there's something going on in their life and they're living in a denial. I want to tell you something. You cannot live in denial and think you're going to get away with it. God will one day shake you and pull the covers on you. See, John's telling them, he says, stop living in denial. You're going to have to deceive, you're going to deceive yourself right into hell. It's sad how many have been led astray, even from truth, that I've met from across the world, and even people that have come into this congregation from other places that have been led astray. It's sad to me when I meet people that come to our church. They come in, they begin to serve God, worship the living God, and after a while you begin to sit down and talk with them about their testimony. And you begin to find out all kind of things that where they used to go to, there were certain things that everything was just right. Didn't matter what they did, how they lived. Yeah, pastor, I heard, you know, I knew that so-and-so was having sex outside of marriage and they were still in the choir. Yeah, I was drinking and he told me I could get up there on in the platform too. You'd be amazed how preachers, even this day and this hour, are deceiving people right into hell. It's sad. It is amazing to me 
how they'll tell them anything they want to tell them just to keep them in the house of God. And they're deceiving people straight into the pit of hell. Over and over again, I see it time and time again. Not only the case of this young girl that I met in Texas, but even the case of people that I've met, even in this own church. They're fornicate, live together. Everybody tell them it's okay. Said, hey, if you're baptized, you're just fine. Everything's all right. But I want to tell you something. You've got to come to a place. You've got to stop living the now in this place. I want to talk about when truth gets unveiled tonight. Because I believe the heart of John, the apostle, was to see, listen to me, them in the glory of God. He did not want them to miss heaven. He wanted them to make heaven their home. But he realized one thing. If you don't get it right and you live in the now, God will do something to each and every individual. Go to Matthew chapter 7. 21 to 23. I'm about to get into the meat of this thing here, and I want to show you something. Because, you know, it's funny because the Bible ought to shake you. The Bible ought to wake you up. See, every individual in this place needs to be real with themselves. We all are full of flesh, and we all need the help of God tonight. But in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, listen what the Bible says. This is going to happen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or iniquity. Now, I want to tell you something. That right there was not written to no sinners. That wasn't written in those sinners. That was written to Christians. And I want to, you know, he's saying this. It hadn't even taken place. And this is what the Apostle John is saying. I'm trying to save you from this. And can you imagine on Judgment Day hearing those words out of the mouth of God? I don't know you. And you trying to argue back with God saying, God, but you saw me. I prophesied. God, you saw me, I cast out devils. God, you saw me do miracles, God. You saw me do signs, and you saw me do wonders. And God turned right back in your face and said, I don't even know who you are because you ain't right. You lived in denial. There is a scary thing tonight when a man or an individual is gifted from God from above. Because a lot of times when a man is gifted, if he is not careful, he will not deal with the real issues in his heart. Can you say amen? I have seen people who are not right with God be able to prophesy, be able to give a word and still not be right with God. I never forget. There was a young man, there's a gentleman here. This guy would always give out words. He used to trip me out, give him words. And I remember telling him finally when the whole thing unfolded, I said, this guy ain't right. He goes, he goes, pastor, how was it then that this individual, when he would give words, he'd be right on. He goes, I remember him describing something on an individual's body. He had never seen this person and he was exactly right where it was. He described it to a T. He had never seen this person and he would always do it under the name of Jesus. Oh, what does that mean? That probably means that one time that man was right with God and God had deposited a gift and an ability inside that individual's life. And the Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. And what that means is somebody can backslide and be going straight to hell and still be using that very gift that God gave them and still not be right. That's why there's folks here talking about, oh, I'm fine. 
Because when I read the word, I can feel the presence of God. When I come here, I can feel the anointing. That don't mean nothing in this place tonight. You better have your heart right tonight. You can't be covered by gift. You can't be covered by talent tonight. You better deal with the issues inside your heart tonight. It's real. It's a scary thing to be in that place. I want to show you a couple of things tonight. Because I want to show you of a man that prophesied. I shared this with a young man who was asking me some questions for some help. And I told him, I said, I may preach on it. Here it is tonight. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 19 real quick. This is amazing to me. 1 Samuel chapter 19. It is a story tonight of Saul. If you know anything about the life of Saul, he was king and anointed by God. This man is totally right. In every fashion of life in the beginning, God's blessing him. But there comes a day later on in his life, the Bible says this man begins to go wrong. And the Bible says this word, he said, the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And God sent another spirit upon this man. I want to show you something. This man, he's still a king. And go there, I want to show you verse 19, verse 24. Listen to what the Bible says. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all the day and that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Saul is prophesying right now. He's giving prophecy right there in front of the man of God. If you read before verse 24, go in reverse and look at the history that's happening here. I want to talk to you about it. Before he prophesied, he just got through throwing a spear at David. Before he prophesied, he just got through manipulating David. He told David, go out and kill a hundred Philistines and I, you know, for hunting foreskins and I'll give you my daughter. He was lying. He was deceptive. Then on top of that, he gave his daughter away. He said, I'll give you my first daughter. When David came back to get his daughter, he said, I'm sorry, I don't have that one for you. He gave her away. He is now lying. Now here is this man. He now says, I'm going to go up and kill David. I want to send men up to go him. Now this man is trying to murder. I don't know about you, but it don't take a rocket scientist to me. I would say this man is probably backslidden right now. He's lying, practicing witchcraft, manipulation. He's throwing spears and he's trying to murder. Murder is a sin. And the Bible says he just walks up in there. They're all in there shouting hallelujah and giving God praise. He walks up in there and falls on his face. And prophesies. And can you imagine? And you know what's so funny? Is I'm pretty sure that folks knew that Saul was not right. But he did it. I want to tell you something. The gifts of God are without repentance. And Saul was not right in his heart. He was still able to function. That's why it is so scary tonight when I read Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Is there are so many people that have the ability to maneuver. They have that ability to make things look right, even when they're not. They have that ability to deceive and look like they're walking in the light. I want to tell you something. It's coming a scary day when Jesus Christ comes back. The other thing I want to look at is you hear me talk about it and deal with it many times is the speaking in tongues. I'm 100%, I told you, believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every time that I preach a revival, I make it my point, unless God leads me in another direction, to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe that seals the deal. Can you say amen? But listen to what the Bible says. The gift of speaking in tongues, listen to me. 
Paul even says about this gift. He says, covet this gift. He says, you can have this gift. And it's amazing because the Bible says not to covet nothing. But the one thing you can covet is the gift of speaking in tongues. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. He says, tongues is a sign not to the believer, but to those that believe not. Prophesying, listen to me, saveth not, for they believeth not, but with them which believe. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says this, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So think about this tonight. This means tonight that one of the giftings of God that God can give to you, and this gift can go to any individual tonight, and that is the gift of the evidence of speaking in tongues. And the Bible plainly said to you and I tonight that when someone gets the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the evidence of speaking in tongues, that is not so much for the believer as it is for the unbeliever. Can you say amen? That's why you can go to the book of Acts and the Bible says when they all begin to speak in tongues, they begin to point at them and say, hey, they look as if they are drunk because what it did, unbelievers could not understand it. Unbelievers could not fathom it. But the church knew this came from God. Can you say amen? They knew it was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But it was not for the believer. It was for the unbeliever. Now listen to me. So if the tongues is for, listen to me, the unbeliever, then there has to be a mark for the believer to know that the Holy Ghost is at work. Now listen to what I'm saying. Because now this moves beyond the tongues. This moves beyond into Acts 1a where I said the Bible says you shall receive power. And so the way Christians know that somebody is filled with the Holy Ghost is they see an evidence of power of God at work in their life. They see an evidence of constant breakthrough in their life. Can you say amen? That's how somebody knows they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, we see the tongues. And that also lets us know God did baptize and God gave them that gift. But I want to tell you something. How do other people know? Listen to me. How do we know? Because now we, people are speaking in tongues. And then you look at them and you go, why are they falling? Why are they still drinking? Why are they still messing up? Why are they still? But I want to tell you something. Because you have the ability tonight. To get filled with the Holy Ghost and the evidence can be shown, but what went inside of you can drain right on out. I shared this with you before, but I'm going to do it again for the sake of those who have not heard in converts. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 8, verse 8. Oh, I've thought about it and I've pondered on it. And I said, God, there's an evidence that you show that you're present with those that are filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible even said that after Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that his words went out of his mouth and cut, listen to me, to the heart. Listen to this. You better grasp this tonight. He said the words went out of his mouth, and when they left his mouth, it wasn't tongues, it was preaching, and when it came out, it cut. Have you ever went street preaching, and you grabbed the bullhorn, and you fell? Like you were saying the same words you said other times, but nothing was happening. How many know what I'm talking about? Preachers have been there. Church folks have been there. Has anybody ever been there? You're like, God, I'm saying it just like I said it. I did my, my move the same way I moved. And God, I felt no weight. God, I felt no glory. God, I felt no conviction. And yet you're still speaking in tongues. What that means is, yes, he's given you that gift, but you have not done what you ought to do to keep what he has called 
holy. You are not living pure somewhere. Can you say amen? Because when you're not living right, you will drain out. So I'm telling you. That's why people listen to me. When they hear people preach, they go, God, I can see a dimension of God on an individual's life. Because it's something you can't see, but something you can feel and sense. There's an anointing that comes from within. Listen to me. When you witness, remember when you used to witness? And when you would witness, you could polarize people. Remember that? What that means is when you used to witness, you used to be able to polarize people. You had what Peter had that day. Not only the tongues, but you have the weight and the evidence that you could cut when you preached, when you spoke. You ever notice now when you talk to people, it's like sometimes it's like you're trying to find words to say and you can't, you're stumbling over your words and they kind of walk away from you. And I know that happens sometimes, but I'm talking about this happening more on a regular basis than before. I'm telling you something because if there's an anointing and there's a Holy Ghost there, it captivates, it polarizes. Oh, don't look at me like I'm crazy. I don't know what I'm talking about tonight. Because the Bible says that when they stood up and they preached, everybody was captivated. The Bible shows us throughout Scripture that the Holy Ghost has always been somewhat of a picture of a dove. Can you say amen? It's always kind of been that picture. Everyone knows it to be that that's the picture or representation of the Holy Ghost. And people have always been able to look to that. And I want to look at Genesis 8. Listen to me. Go to verse 8 quickly. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says he also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned in the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark himself. Go up real quick. Bible's in verse 6. So it came to pass at the end, 40 days, that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which he kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. Listen to me. The raven went out and never came back. The Bible says it went back to and fro. Kept moving right there. Never came back. He lets out the dove, which is a picture of the Spirit of God. The ark, even throughout Scripture in the Bible, was a picture of that was what carried the presence of God. I know it's a boat, the ark, but the ark of the covenant would carry, it would carry the presence of God. The dove goes out, listen to me, and the dove goes, looks around, and the Bible says these words, and the dove found no resting place to put his foot upon. And so the spirit of God, which is picked up, went back where it came from. And when you're wrong in your heart and you're not living pure for God, and I didn't say we had to be perfect and someone say amen tonight, because a preacher's up here preaching that is not perfect, but I'm not practicing sin either. And I want to say something. When that dove went out and it couldn't land, it came back in. And what happens is when God deposits his spirit inside of you, when you begin to live corruptly and begin to have hidden things on the inside of you, he goes back where he came from. Why didn't the raven come back? Dead bodies floating everywhere. That raven said, I'll just land on one of these dead carcasses and I'll hang around. And so the reason why the Holy Ghost doesn't give you that ability to impact like Easter, because listen to me, it can't dwell where there's death and carnality and corruption. I want to tell you something. I'm preaching something tonight. Listen to me. 
that we've all had to live out. We've all had to ask ourselves. This preacher's had to ask himself, God, I've got to make sure that the Spirit of God is living and residing in me, God. Because, God, I can be speaking in tongues all day long and all night long. I can be prophesying, God. I can call somebody out in a revival and give them a word, God. But, God, if you are not really on the inside of me, God, I'm going to lose in the end. Is he here? It's amazing. I want to tell you, there's folks here tonight. Boy, you got folks fooled. You walk up, hey, Pastor Chapel, hey, Pastor Chapel, hey. You got folks fooled. Got your tie on, got your clothes on, boy, you looking good. I was talking to Alvin Smith yesterday. He told me something. When he went to Georgia, he goes, Hector, he said, the longer I live, the more I learn about life. He said, I have a next door neighbor in Georgia. She's 82 years old. He said, I'll never forget when I went back to visit my family, he said she went like this. She walked up to me. She said, Alvin, she said, I see them kids down the street. They're out there smoking and drinking and cussing and carrying on. She said, Hector, she leaned over to me. She pulled the glasses down. She said, Alvin, I can see their sin, but because I can't see yours, don't mean that you don't have none. And see, there's a lot of people. That's the problem right there. Oh, yeah. They got sin, but so do we. I know this ain't one of them revival services, but we did come to church tonight. And someone say, man, you might as well give him praise anyway. Hallelujah. Because if you want to make it the distance, you better be right. That's horrifying to me to think. And listen to me, I've thought for, for years and years in my life. And we had one guy coming to Vanus come. He was asking me this very question. I answered him this. He looked at me, he goes, he said, you don't know how long I've tried to figure that out. As I've tried to figure out, he goes, watching people speaking in tongues on the platform. Well, the Bible says that that's the gift of the evidence, and there's power behind it, and then totally go do something else. He said, I could never make that connection. I said, it's very simple. I said, because the gifts of God without repentance. That means what God gave you, he'll let you keep it. But the spirit of God, you got to keep. You got to work. You got to stay right to be with God. Can you say amen tonight in this place? In closing, there's hope in all of this tonight that even came from the mouth of John. I want to read to you John verse one, chapter 1, verse 9 through. That's what the Bible says. Listen. He says he is the light. I'm sorry, verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, we have made him a liar and his word are not in us. And again tonight, listen to me, it's not for a Christian that is living right to say, God, I'm just in sin. No, it's for those, listen to me, that know they're in sin and keep saying they're not. Chapter 2. He says, my little children, these things I write to you, that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Thank the Lord for that. With the Father Jesus Christ of righteousness, and he himself is a propitiation for his sons, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Think about this. I told you that one of the things that happened in my introduction with Eve, was that when he deceived Eve, 
She fell for it. She came to play. She deceived herself and said, yeah, it's going to be all right what I do. The Bible says she does this. And she also allowed the husband to partake of what she's fallen into. Listen to me. The Bible says now they're in full blown out sin. Both of them are wrong. And what's amazing to me is that the Bible tells me in the book of Genesis that even after this very sin takes place, Genesis 3 verse 9, the Bible says that he calls out to Adam after he sins. Listen to me. He says, Adam, where are you? And what's amazing to me is the moment he realized what he had done and he realized he was naked, he ran from God. Instead of running from God, he should have ran to God. And you're here tonight, say, preacher, that's exactly me tonight. I've come service after service, week after week. And I know there's things that are in my life. People have tried to tell me the word, tried to tell me, but I've sat there and said, said no, I'm all right. But I'm not going to live in denial. I want to say something. There's an advocate for you tonight. That's Jesus Christ for you. Adam. He runs. Adam, where are you? The Bible says this. Listen to me. He deals with Adam. He deals with Eve. And so how many know tonight, even in our sin, there's consequences. And we realize that. But there is even still a greater part of the story tonight. You can go there. In verse 21, this is what the Bible says in Genesis 3, 21. He says this. And God made tunics of skins and clothes them. Listen to what he did. He calls out to his name. He says, Adam. Why are you running, Adam? Come, deal with the issue. He said, I realize you messed up, Adam. I realize, Adam, you're living in sin. You've made a mistake. And the Bible says in verse 21, he took the tunics, listen to me, of animals. And what that means is simply this. He sacrificed an animal in the wilderness. He took the skin. And the Bible says he covered both Adam and Eve with the tunics of the animal. And what he was telling Adam, this is what I can do for humanity. He said, there will be a day when all people will make mistakes and all people will mess up. Don't run from me. Come here, I can cover you. I died on the lamb, I can cover you but my blood. There's hope for you tonight. Oh, don't run. Just say, God. All right. And God says, don't worry about it. Come here. And Jesus Christ, over 2,000 years ago, shed his blood. He was that sacrificial lamb, and he's going to cover you in his blood. You know, I told you this before, possibly remember, remember they covered themselves with fig leaves? That's denial. That's what they did. The Bible says they went and they sewed fig leaves and covered themselves. And so you know what that means? Is anything that's made natural, in just a matter of time, those leaves are going to dry up, dissolve, and die. So they can only cover themselves for so long. You can only cover yourself for so long, folks. You need Jesus to fix you up and do it right. I want every head bowed if you are closing this place tonight. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, 
On the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.